living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Well, you may already understand this, but Google usually knows where you are. If you have a smartphone with you built into this, and if you're using the Google applications uh, and you access them, it knows where you are when you access them, so it keeps track. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I don't know how to get this set up on your phone. I don't even know how it happened on my phone. But every month, I get an email from Google saying, here's all the places you were this month. And if you click the link, it'll show you on a map all the places you were around Charleston, around this area in West Virginia. If you've been on a trip, it'll take you there too. You can also go to a summary. It'll show you all the places you've been, according to Google, that's logged it in, uh, in the last uh, even a year or more. So you might, that might be scary. Maybe you want to turn that off. And, and don't ask me how to do that, because I don't know that either. You can find out. But uh, it knows where you are. Now, this is an advantage because Google can get you from where you are to where you want to be. It can help you get over that obstacle of, of, of direction and that obstacle of knowing how to navigate. However, sometimes there's barriers to get from one place to the other. And uh, recently, Julie and I were in Pennsylvania. We were, had a couple meetings with some friends, had a couple, three days of vacation. And I was trying to find an alternate route to get back to the route I really wanted to get on to get back to West Virginia. There had been some construction around Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and, and the, I didn't want to pay tolls, don't like to pay tolls. I was trying to find an alternate route. So Google knew where I was, and I wanted to get to a particular city because that would connect me back to where I was. I think it was Mechanicsburg. But anyway, so I type in, and there's where I'm at, so where do you want to go? I start trying to type in Mechanicsburg, and then I realize I'm not quite sure how you spell Mechanicsburg. And uh, Google couldn't help me with the spelling, so I had the obstacle. I knew where I wanted to go. I knew, Google knew where I was. I couldn't get there because I couldn't tell Google where I wanted to go. So you're stuck. Mine reminds me of the old days. Back in the old days, some of you may remember this, we actually had to ask for directions from people about how to get places. Maybe you heard a story of a man driving through the country and he sees a man on a farm, farmhouse front porch and asks how to get to a particular place. He says, well, you go down here and turn. No, that's not it. You go over there and turn. No, that's not it. Finally, he looks at the man and says, you know what? I just recollect you can't get there from here. <laughs> well, sometimes when it comes to trying to take the truth of God to people who don't know Him, it feels like there is no way to get there from here. There are barriers that we sense anyway that are in place. There, how, do we, how do we reach them? How do we communicate with them? Uh, I, I don't have any way to relate to them. We live in different philosophical and cultural and linguistic and experience and generational worlds. Uh, you just, if you're my age, you see a two or three generations below you, we don't understand that. We also remember that our parents and grandparents didn't understand our generation that well either, so that's a normal thing. So how do we overcome these barriers, these things that get in the way? Maybe they just want to say, can't get there from here, I'm just going to stop. Well, I want this great story from John chapter 4 to show us exactly what Jesus does 
and how everything can be different for us. This woman at the well, and we're going to be looking at the uh, first 26 verses of John 4, and we're going to kind of skip around in the text a little bit, but we're actually going to pick it up in verse 4 where it says this, But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to, to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me, to, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to, into the city to buy food. So he wants to go to Samaria. Now that's our first clue of the first barrier that gets in the way. We might call this a racial barrier. I really don't like the word race. I don't like that as a term because if you believe in biblical history, you understand that all of us have descended from one man and one woman. And that's the source. So we're all of one race, which is the human race. But I don't know anything else, any other way to say it that will be, you know, be able to communicate. But we have these, maybe we would say ethnic, eth ethnic differences or cultural differences, et cetera, et cetera. These traits, characteristics. But if you allow me to use the word race, that will just use it for that. But she was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. Now, the Samaritans were, had, a, had a sort of joint history with the Jews during the, uh, the time of the latter kings, the divided kingdom, we would call it. Uh, the northern ten tribes of Israel were conquered by the Assyrians. The Assyrians come in and just decimate the culture. And most of the remaining Jews that survived intermingled and intermarried with the, the Gentiles around or the people that the Assyrians imported because that's how they broke down culture. That's how they destroyed their nationalistic uh, it, uh, desires so that they would not rebel and not be a problem to the Assyrian Empire going forward. So the Samaritans had some Jewish blood in them, if we could say it that way, and some mixed blood. So the Jew, to the Jews, they were mixed race people. The Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. Samaritans didn't have anything to do with the Jews. Jesus has been in Judea, which is down south. Samaria is just north of Judea. And up above Samaria is Galilee, which was also primarily Jewish territory where Jesus grew up and so forth. So he's going from Judea to, to Galilee, but most times they would go down Jericho, go down almost 1,500 feet below sea level from the, the hill country of Judea at Jerusalem, go down, cross the Jordan River, go up north on the east side of the Jordan River, then cross back over the river south of the Sea of Galilee and go back into the Galilean territory, all to avoid going through Samaria. This was a place you didn't go. But Jesus overcomes this racial barrier. Notice he says in verse 4, and this is going to be key to our understanding, he needed to go through Samaria. Well, he had an alternate route. It was the Jewish preferred route. It wasn't that he, he needed to go because it's the only way he could go. He needed to go because he had an appointment with a meeting, an, appoint, an important meeting with this woman, an appointment with this woman to tell her about himself. And friends, we have some appointments in our lives. Sometimes we keep them. Sometimes we don't even know they occurred. But to overcome the spirit. How do we overcome this, this racial difference? And you understand uh, we have these differences of ethnicity and background and culture. How do we overcome that? Well, I want to suggest to you that I'm going to, I'm going to put a sentence in front of you, okay? You overcame the racial differences, but I'm going to put a sentence in front of you, but I'm just going to kind of put the sentence together as we go through this message. So first of all, he humbly put a pause there. It was with his humility. He comes, and the fact that he says to her in verse 7, give me a drink. Now, she's shocked by this. Look at verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She's kind of shocked that he breaks this barrier. Why? Because he is humble enough 
to understand that it's not about his ethnicity, it's not about his people, it's not about the prejudices of the Jews and the Pharisees of that day. It is about reaching someone with the reality that he is the Savior of the world. With that in mind, he overcomes that barrier because he comes to her humbly. The fact that he asks her for a drink rather than snubbing her, standing off, not talking to her, says something about his humility. The first thing we need is some humility. Even though people are different and maybe we don't know how to get to their culture and how to communicate effectively with them, or at least we feel that's a barrier, we need to just come in some humility. Recently I was conducting a funeral and I was called to do this funeral. The, the person that passed away was not someone I'd known previously. They just needed a pastor in the area to do it. I'm happy to serve in that way. And I didn't know any members of the family. But it was quite obvious when I get, got there that there was uh, at least three people there that was of another uh, racial, cultural, religious tradition, if we can say it that way. And I'm trying to be kind and those terms, I, some of them I really don't like to use, but the best way I know to communicate it with you. So it was obvious that they did not have my belief system. They did not have our belief system if you're a believer in Christ. The Word of God was not their, is not their primary source of information about spirituality. So I knew that based on how I knew that, okay? So I'm thinking, well, this is a barrier. They're going to sit here for 15, 20 minutes hearing me share a message to comfort this family, hear, share from the Word of God. And, and it was a privilege to kind of share that. with. It's always a privilege to share, but how am I going to get through this? So I thought, you know what? Uh, and, and I could just tell. They just felt very uncomfortable being around me. And it was like the, the body language that, that we can often read was like, I don't know if I want to listen to this guy. i got to sit here and be respectful, but I don't really want to be here. So I made a point to reach out to these three people. I spoke to them with respect. I thanked them for being there because they were doing a good thing coming to be with his family. I expressed that I was glad they're there. I welcomed them. I just thought, humbly, I'm going to just be as kind as I can be to these, these people. Two of the three, while I'm speaking, I could just see them start to warm up and listen. Some of that, that, that body language and that sternness and that kind of fearfulness kind of melted. I could see it in their face. Two of those three, as we were concluding this time together to honor this person who passed away, came and thanked me for sharing this with them. It was, it was mind-blowing. Why? Because I just humbly treated them with respect. Not someone to be judged, not someone to be ridiculed, but just someone to be treated with respect. That's what he gave her. And, and you know what? We need to watch our own prejudices. We need to watch our own things. We, we, don't, we should not speak of people that are of another, another set of factors different than us and just say, well, you know, stay away from them. Or they're bad, they're evil, they're all this way. We shouldn't do all that stereotyping. No, each individual is a person that needs one thing, and that one thing is Jesus himself. Be watching for some appointments this week to be able to do that. Secondly, he overcame the gender differences. Now he says... A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Ordinarily, not only would it be just him being a Samaritan, him being a Jew, and she being a Samaritan be a problem, but here it's a man speaking to women. Women in their culture were completely different in our culture. The culture dictated that, not that women were different. But uh, and, and women didn't have the rights, and, the, and they weren't treated with respect as they should be. And most men just kind of really look down on women and that sort of thing in their culture. So, but Jesus overcomes that because he very graciously addresses her, requests her this interaction with her, and so forth. So we could say it this way. Yes, he overcame the gender differences. And I just want a little more completion of our sentence. He humbly looked past. He looked past what everybody else would have seen in this woman because she's a woman. 
And that brings us to this world today. Our world today still struggles with this, doesn't it? There are some men who do not treat women with respect. Sometimes it works the other way as well. And sometimes we, we find that a problem. And, and in our world, we live in, with people that identify in ways that just for many of us who have grown up in a Christian culture, a Christian tradition, believing the Word of God is sort of mind-boggling. It tells us in Genesis 1.27, in speaking of the original creation, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So part of his expressing the the, 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 the image of God through this creation of humanity, it's these two gender identities, male and female, and that's how he created it, that's how it is. We live in a world where people are, are, are looking at that many different ways, and, and here's the real affront to that, because this is, this is part of man being made in God's image. If we're messing up our identity, thinking we can be anything, do anything we want to do, then we're, we're really messing up with our purpose as displaying how God is. That God is a person who is a person of personality and thought and choice and ability to create and to worship, uh, you know, for us to worship Him and so forth. So we need to come back to this and we need to just understand, kind of leave that alone, look past that. There's some people we look at, their dress, their demeanor, their, their things they proclaim, the things they identify with. How are we going to get over that barrier? Well, Jesus looked past it. We look past it too. Because beyond whatever we're seeing, whatever we're hearing, is a person that needs one thing and one person, and that is salvation, and that person is Jesus Christ. He looked past. So sometimes we live in a world where we say, they, that person's life and identification is so different than me. How can I reach out, show love and respect, and look for that opportunity to share what not not... You, know, you don't have to look, you don't have to answer all their questions. You don't have to have all of your questions answered. But go to the one thing that's going to make an eternal difference, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And if things need changed in life, God can pull that out through the power of Christ. And if you've been a Christian any length of time, has God needed to change some things in your life? I know He's needed to change some things in my life. And there's still some things in my life He needs to change. The change has to come through knowing Christ. And the reality is that's what we share. Thirdly, you overcame some cultural differences. Now, pick it up in verse 10. Jesus says this. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask, have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus says this. This is important. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, the well that they were at. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. Or, that's important. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. He overcomes the cultural differences, and it was simply these cultural differences that you see on display here of, of her approach and his approach. And if we, if we look at it, uh, he, he, she's thinking about, well, this well was given to us by our forefathers. Jacob gave us this well. By the way, that well is still in Israel. It is still producing fresh water. It's in a difficult place for tourists to get to today. But it's still there, and there's water still being provided all these thousands of years later. So, but that well, he's, he turns it to say something about her thirst. 
she was wondering about their cultural identity with Jacob. And we, we have this connection to, to, to back to Jacob. I know you, you Jews do too, but we do too. We're important because of this. And it un, uh, unleashes all of that, their heritage and so forth. Jesus comes back to the subject of thirst. And by the way, I can't cover all of John 4 in one message. So you stick around at least two, probably three times, or three more, two more times, three in total. We're going to be looking at this passage because there's so much for us here. Today we just want to look at the barriers. You overcome this cultural barriers. Why? Jesus looked past, what, humbly looked past what was different about them. The differences were they had a connection back to Jacob, but then it springs apart. It's, it, it kind of pulls apart because of the Samaritans and the Jews. But he comes back to this need. She needed one thing, which was salvation. She needed one person, which was Jesus. For people that are, whatever their background, maybe they have a religious background, maybe a different denominational background, maybe they have a view that you're saved through works or they were baptized as a child or they did some religious thing or whatever it is. And that's the truth, the fact that we need to come back to this reality. We need to push past this barrier. Oh, they, they're religious? They have a belief system? Well, we'll just, you know, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. With humility, we look past this, this which is different to look at what they really need, which is one thing and one person, and that is the Lord Jesus. And uh, so remember she had said, you know, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, that sort of thing. Now, this comes back to when the cultural difference is something might be very difficult for us to understand and think about. And it's simply this. We do make judgments about other people. We do. I'm not suggesting we should, but we do. I'm convinced that's true of all of us. And sometimes we look at people and we, we try to say, you know, there's some people that we maybe don't feel comfortable that we would have dealings with. Maybe it's social and economic. Maybe we feel uncomfortable about those folks on the poor, those folks that are homeless and on the streets because they are living in a world that's different than me. How do I reach them? There's a barrier there. They need one thing and one person salvation in Jesus. We need to humbly look past what is different between us and that other person. Sometimes it's that person is so much on a social strata and economic strata, they're rich or they're wealthy or they're influential. How can I be of any influence in their life? We can be just as prejudicial socially, economically of someone who's a down and outer or someone who is an up and outer as well. Or it might be uh, some other social thing, their mental ability or their, their life story. And uh, that, that brings us to this point of, of understanding uh, of that. And sometimes we, we fear that if we enter into their world, we, have we might be embarrassed to know how to, how to reach them and how to minister to them. We need to push past that barrier. We need to push past our fear. And remember this, we need to humbly, Jesus humbly looked past what was different. You see, a person that we judge is different than us, whatever the cause, whatever the reality. Maybe it's appearance, it's looks, it's lifestyle, maybe it's something else, social, economic, their ability to speak, language, we have trouble communicating, whatever it is. We need to come to this point, humbly look past that which is different. And remember, they need one thing, which is salvation, and one, per one person that is Jesus who brings that salvation. And we need to push past that barrier. How did Jesus push past that barrier? Because he had, it says in verse 4, he needed to go through Samaria. He, it was his mission. It was his calling. It's why God had him on the planet. And friends, it is the same, it's same for us. It is our calling. It is our mission. It's why God has us on this planet to tell other people about Jesus. But it's hard. They're different. 
Push past the differences in humility. Look past what you see and understand that everybody has this same need. Everybody who's breathing today, everybody who has life on this planet has the same need, no matter the differences, no matter the barriers. It's one thing, salvation. One person is Jesus who brings that salvation to them. Now, you also push past some lifestyle differences as well. And uh, she says in verse 15, she said to him, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Now Jesus is now going to say, you're thinking about the physical, let me get you to the spiritual. She said to her, go call your husband and come to her. Come here, excuse me. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you, have now, you now have is not your husband. In this you spoke truly. He commends her for speaking truly. She didn't like tell the whole story, but what she said was true. So she suddenly understands. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. I perceive that you're a prophet. How did you know these things? We've never met. You're not even from here. I'm not from where you are. He begins to understand, she begins to understand, excuse me, that there's something different about him. We're all the same in our needs. We may think we're a lot different, but we're all the same in our needs. The different one is him who has the ability to save us from our sins. And if you're one of his children, he saved you from your sins. That's a story worth telling. We talked last week about that we need to go and tell the great things God has done for us. We need to push out and do things in a way that, that God will, will allow us to take even our liabilities, our disabilities, or our abilities and say, Lord, you take it. You, my life is an offering to you. We looked at that a couple, three weeks ago. So, we need to push past the cultural differences and now the lifestyle differences. Her lifestyle was different and you might, we don't know all the story about these five husbands. I guess it's possible that she was a widow five times over. Probably not likely. Uh, it might be that her lifestyle was a very permissive, you know, not, not exactly a moral lifestyle and her behavior and so forth. It might have been she was a victim. In those days women didn't have too many choices. Maybe it was, she'd almost been trafficked through these, through these five husbands. The real reality is she's living with a man to whom she's not married. But it just says something about her lifestyle which was different and probably not approved. The Pharisees would have gone, oh, don't be around that woman. She's a sinner. Jesus, don't you know that she's a sinner? Well, Jesus knows this about you and he knows it about me. He knows it about everybody else that we're all sinners. And we all need one thing. And that is a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. All people need one thing. They need salvation. All people need one person, that is Jesus, who can bring that salvation to them. Let me just take a moment and say this to you. Maybe you're watching today. Maybe this is an appointment for you for me to break through the barrier that I'm not even there with you personally. Maybe the, maybe the digital barrier or the spatial barrier can be broken today. And that is simply this. If you need the Savior, He's available to you. If you've never trusted Him as your Savior, you need one thing, and that is salvation. And you need one person, and that is Jesus, to bring you that salvation. And it is my joy to tell you this means that Jesus can be your Savior regardless of your religious background, your cultural background, your lifestyle background, all the other things that you could think of that you may say, Christianity is so different than my baseline. Lay all that aside. All that can be sorted out later. The one thing you need is to be right with the God who made us all, before whom we have failed morally. It's called sin. That sin separates us from a holy God. If God is totally holy without sin, how can He be up close and personal and have us in His presence who are sinful? He wants to clean us up first. The Bible tells us the wages of sin, the payment for sin, is death. 
Jesus died on the cross to make that payment for our sins. And through his death on the cross, that is all paid in full. But now we just have to say, okay, I accept that. That is for me. I believe that. It's a statement of faith. It's a moment of faith. For by grace are you saved. That grace is what he's already done for us on the cross. Through faith. He goes on in that verse from Ephesians 2, those verses where he says, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. We're not saved by doing things, we're saved by believing in one person who is Jesus and receiving the salvation he brings. Now I know that's a very brief presentation, but right now in the privacy of your own heart, you can right now say, Lord, I want to receive that gift of salvation that that man's talking about, that your word is talking about. I've tried everything else. I know there's a future. I have a need that's beyond just the needs of this life. I have a need for what is beyond this life when I die and leave this world. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be in judgment. I want to be with God. I want to be in heaven. Now, I know I can't tell you. You can do that right now, and I encourage you to do it. But if you want to talk to somebody, you can contact us here at the church. One of us will be glad to share with you. We'll do it by email. We can do it anonymously. Do it by phone. We can do it in person. We just love to share with you in a very, very non-threatening way, very humbly as Jesus did, just sharing this. And what we want to do is simply this. We want to just look past whatever's going on in your world and share God's truth with you. So let's get back to this woman now. That invitation's open to you. He overcame the lifestyle difference, this woman, because he just comes to her, and he already knew all about her. And we would say it this way. Let's go back to our sentence. Jesus humbly looked past what was different to see what she needed. Well, that's not surprising because we've been talking about what she needed. She needed one thing, salvation, through one person, which is Jesus. May God help us to overcome the barriers in our world and in our lives that we would not look at people, oh, and sometimes we have that problem. We look at people and we say, you know what, their lifestyle is so different. How, how, how's God ever going to change that life? It is so mixed up, messed up. Well, that's his business. All we do is introduce them to Jesus to meet their need, to have him in their life and have salvation life. He is strong enough to change them. I had two experiences just this week, and I want to share them with you. I want to share them with some confidence, so I'm not going to share names and maybe leave out a few details. But there's a person that I've had interaction with for six, seven years here in the community. This person has struggled with addiction. Uh, I've seen him on the streets. We've tried to help him. We've, we've tried to help him with clothing, which we have. We've tried to help him with getting him to shelter. We've tried to help him with food, and we have. But to be able to talk to him about spiritual things couldn't get off square one because the addiction was clouding his mind. I ran into him two times this past week, and I don't know what, what the story is, but his mind was clear. He could, he could focus. He would listen. He was anxious to talk to me. And he shared that God had been blessing in his life. And I was able to share with him very clearly about salvation. And uh, he, 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 he keeps saying, I'm trying and understand. And I don't know if that's, he's still mixed up in what I have to change and so forth. But, but I just left him with this. I, we're praying for you. I just want you to, just, to, to see God's blessing in your life. But the fact that God got him to the point that he could even listen and have a conversation is an indication that God can change people. There's another person in this life that, in this world that I've been sharing with, I've been trying to enter into his life, and it's been a while since I've seen him, probably two or three years since I've encountered him, and uh, we have trouble communicating. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a language problem that we have, and it's just very difficult for me to understand what he's saying, and I think vice versa. And we've had this conversation, tried to have conversation, but it's always just this barrier's in the way. 
So I was in a place of business. I went in. He's working there. He's got a new job there. So I just went over and said, hi, how you doing? And, and through even still the conversation, he said, God's blessing me. And I, I, I pray that God will bless you, Pastor. Now, that's all we, he was working. I didn't have a full conversation with him, but it was like the barrier came down for a brief moment. And he knew something about God's blessing in his life. He wanted God to bless me. And I was just amazed. God can tear down these barriers if we believe him. We'll, let's just believe that he's going to use us. He's going to use us as a church. He's going to use you as an individual, you as a family. Some of our small groups are doing some great things. They're inviting people in, in their community to a, to a neighborhood gathering. If you're one of those groups, plug into that and do that. We need to do this with our coworkers, our family. Just share your truth. I, I challenged you last week to share online, share any way you can about what God's doing in your life. Get your testimony out there and share that truth with Him. The last one is a religious difference. This is 26 through 20, or 20 through 26, or it's about that. She said, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet, verse 19. So she understands something different, but then she changes the subject. By the way, this is overcoming religious differences, and sometimes it's always someone changing the difference. You, you Baptists believe this. You evangelicals believe that. You Christians believe that. It all gets mixed up. And so she says, Our fathers worship, this verse 20, on this mountain. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one is to wor ought to worship. We have differences here. She had to cause difference. You have to go to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. We worship here. W where should we worship? And I love how Jesus just kind of blows right past that. Woman, he said to her, Jesus said to her, Woman, verse 21, believe me. That's part of the process. Just believe me. Believe me. The hour is coming when when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And that was true. The truth had been preserved through the Jewish faith. But the hour is coming and now is when, true, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. It's not about the place. It's about the heart. It's not about the, the location or the address. It's about you encountering God. And he says, as God is spirit, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he says, this is available to you spiritually. Now we run into people who have all sorts of religious differences. They believe this, you believe that, about baptism, about what salvation means, about what version of the Bible you use, or whether the Bible is the Bible, etc., etc. Blow past all that. Here's our statement. Jesus humbly looked past what was different to see what she needed, which was Him. There's the full statement. That's what drove Him. That's why He needed to go through Samaria. Samaria excuse me. He wanted to blow past that. And He brings her to the Savior. Now we're going to pick it up there next time and we're going to understand what He has to say to us. But here's the reality. Jesus humbly looked, what was, looked past what was different to see what she needed, which was Him. Here's the reality. So should we. Let's get busy sharing Him with others. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the Scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be Living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you, and the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.